It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Jessica Rose faced her fear of being judged and put herself and her quilts out there into the quilting community. She says she loves flying geese and half square triangles as much as the next person, but something inside her knew there could be a different kind of quilting, modern, but also stylish and beautiful. Jessica wanted to be able to keep her quilts out when visitors came over, not fold them up and hide them away in a closet. Now she has beautiful modern quilt patterns available through her business, Quilted Studios. Her hope is that everyone who makes a quilted pattern feels that each design is intentional, modern, and beautiful. Jessica, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with me on A Quilter's Life. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Great. Let's get started with where were you born and raised? I was actually born in the Pacific Northwest in a tiny little logging town right at the base of Mount Rainier. So I say I'm from Seattle, Washington, but really I'm not. I'm from way out in the boonies in the mountains of Washington. How fun. And did you grow up there until you were a teenager? Yes. So I really spent my whole childhood there. I didn't really leave Washington until I went to college in Utah. And that was kind of when I started moving around. But yeah, I spent the majority of my childhood in Seattle. Now I'm picturing forest. Oh, yes. Yeah. Forest everywhere. Ferns. We had so much fun playing in the green belts and things like that. It was a really fun place to grow up. And, you know, you really get used to the rain. People always ask, that's always the next question, like, oh, how do you survive the rain? And it was all I knew. So I loved it. But now that I've lived in sunnier places, I am a little surprised that I survived living in such a great place for so long. (laughs) How about a special childhood memory? It's hard to pick just one, but I think something that is really special to me is that every year in Seattle, or at least the area I grew up in, there's so many wild blackberry bushes everywhere. And we would spend the weeks that they're ripe, we'd go out and we would pick just buckets and buckets of these blackberries. And if you've ever had wild blackberries that were just warmed from the sun, there's just nothing more sublime than that. And I think I'll always really look back to those summers that I spent picking blackberries with my family, with my friends, and of course, making delicious baked treats from all of them. I don't know if you've ever had wild blackberries before. Yes. And as you were talking about that, my mouth started to water. I know. They're so good. And what's funny is that I tell people that and they're like, oh, well, I don't really like blackberries. And I'm like, that's because you probably only had the ones from the store and they're just not very good. But if you have them wild, they're just like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you may get a kick out of this. We had gone up to Wisconsin to my brother-in-law's and we picked wild blackberries and they were so good that yeah. we decided we would plant some here. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Did it work out? (laughs) Do you have wild blackberries now? (laughs) Never enough to get a pie. 
but <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it, they seem to die off. And someone was teasing, how could you kill blackberry plants? That's but- like, that was my first thought. I said, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? You should get in contact with my dad because he's always trying to kill off <laughs> blackberry bushes. They just grow everywhere and there's thorns everywhere. But the blackberries, they did create the birds, spread them around. And so we have miscellaneous little blackberry, but the squirrels and birds and all get them. So we never get them, but they are around. <laughs> Because we tried. Well, I'm glad you tried. I'm glad you tried. You you put in the effort. <laughs> Besides quilting, did you have other employment? So I went to Brigham Young University in Utah and I majored in history and Italian studies. And I was planning on going to law school, but it just never quite worked out. And so I ended up working in human resources. And then eventually I got my master's degree in human resource development. So just training and development. And I currently work part-time in training and development. So yeah, I like HR. I think it's really fun. I loved working in businesses. And I actually think that's been really valuable as I started my own business. But I will say, I think my quilty business, Quilted Studios, is really fun. And in some ways, way more fun than my day job. Yeah, working for yourself, you just can't top it. Plus getting to work with quilts. Oh, yeah. It's more creative. I'm my own boss. I set my own project deadlines. Like It's just so fun. I love it. That's not to say I don't love HR too, but I don't see myself doing HR forever. I've had a lot of fun doing it in the past, but I think, yeah, for now, it's, it's good. Yeah. You mentioned you moved away from Washington. Mm -hmm. Where do you live now and how did you get there from Washington? So my husband and I met at BYU and he decided to go into medicine. And so he attended medical school in Bethesda, Maryland. And so we were in Bethesda for two years, which was fun. I've never lived on the East Coast before. That was an adventure. I'm living over there and I really enjoyed it. I will say I didn't enjoy like paying for parking all the time. (laughs) It seemed like anywhere I wanted to go, I had to pay for parking. Like want to go to Target, I pay for parking. I was not a fan of the traffic of the East Coast, but I did love the culture and I love the people there and so many fun things to do. And then after that, we moved around for his rotations. He had rotations all over the U.S. And so I went with him for some of them. But then I ended up landing in Virginia for two years, which was so fun. I was in Chesapeake. It's like the hidden gem of the U.S., I think. Just so beautiful there. I loved that. And he finished med school and now he's in his first year of residency, doing an intern year, a general surgery intern year. And we're in Vegas now. So we're in Las Vegas right now, but just for a year until he starts his four-year residency. Wow. I know. It's a lot. Normal people probably don't move that much. And honestly, I didn't anticipate moving this much. It's been an adventure and I've learned a lot. So I've loved every place we've lived in. So that's nice. Yeah. Now, do you have a goal of where you're going to land or is that still unknown to you? Still unknown. You know what? I actually really fell in love with Virginia. So I'm sad because it's the opposite side of the U.S. is my family. My family all still lives in the Seattle area with the exception of a little sister in Canada. But it is hard being that far away because the time difference and things like that, it's hard to connect with them sometimes. But I really love the weather. I love the people. I love the beach. I just loved, loved, loved Virginia. So if we could end up there, 
I think I'd be really happy. <laughs> Jessica, is there anything else you wanted to share about your family? I actually come from a really wonderful family. I'm sure everyone says that, but <laughs> my parents were so amazing and very crafty and very creative. I didn't really realize that or really appreciate that until I got married. My husband, he was so confused as to why I crafted so often and why I DIYed and why I was always tinkering around with things. And he was like, I just don't understand. Where did you learn how to do all this? And I was like, oh, your family didn't spend like Saturdays, like working on little projects and <laughs> learning new things, you know? So I didn't realize that was a unique mystery to grow up in. And my family was always very open and willing to try new creative things. And so I think I really appreciate that now. It was a wonderful way to grow up. It's always surprising because we think people see the same things out of their eyes that we see out of our eyes or experience the mm -hmm. same things. And it's like, what? You never yes. experienced that. Wow. Yeah, I was so confused. I was like, you don't make your own birthday cards? Like, <laughs> that's something that we do. <laughs> you know, you don't like try to figure out how to make a deck. You know, that's something that we've done. <laughs> it was just funny. So what are some of the other crafts you have done or that you do besides quilting? Oh, I love crafting. Quilting has always been a part of my life. We can talk about that later, but I've tried so many different crafts. I've tried embroidery. I love to reupholster furniture. I've, you know, I feel like I've kind of done it all. And I enjoy each one separately. I've done metal stamping. I feel bad for my husband in some ways because I have these plastic bins just full of different craft materials. And in some ways, I'm like, I feel like I should be using these more often. <laughs> I have them, but I kind of only pull them out occasionally. I will say, I do have some other hobbies. I do love to play pickleball. I picked that up recently. I played tennis through high school, which was so fun. But then when I got married, my husband didn't play tennis. And I don't know if you've ever played tennis with someone who doesn't know how to play tennis, but it caused more marital discord than it did <laughs> marital satisfaction. And so I was like, we need to pick something else <laughs> that we can do together. And pickleball was the perfect medium for that. So we love to play pickleball together. We love baking. I love to bake. Baking is something else that I'm really passionate about. And I love designing home decor, things like that. Interior design is always really fun. Do any of your hobbies show up in your quilting? I definitely think that I approach quilting from a different perspective that maybe some other quilters do. I think for me, quilting is an expression of creativity, like a lot of other cultures, but I also view it as maybe a piece of art that should be displayed in a bedroom or on a home or even on a wall. So I think that influences a lot of my quilt design aesthetic, that I love to have these really beautiful, clean lines. I don't use a lot of prints in mine, which I think is pretty unusual. I think especially because I love textiles in general, and I'm also not afraid of breaking kind of these quilty rules that people have. So for example, I'm like always thinking of ways to make a quilt maybe more unique. In my mind, I'm like, why do we have rectangular quilts? Why not wavy quilts? Why not circle quilts? Why not, you know, something else? So I'm kind of a rule breaker, I think, in the quilting industry. Yeah, it's funny how we talk about the quilt police and yet mm -hmm. the people making new things seems to be 
standing out lately of how can we do this in a little different way. So that's great. I don't know if there are quilt police, but I've never really run into anyone who ascribes to very like stringent quilting requirements. I think right now, at least the culture that I'm part of on Instagram and on YouTube and my website, everyone is very much like, do what works for you. If you want to make a quilt that has this in it, do what makes you happy. So I have always appreciated that about the quilting community. Did someone introduce you to quilting or did you figure it out on your own? I definitely had people in my life that helped me learn how to quilt. So my grandmother quilted and she would make us quilts. Unfortunately, I didn't live near to her, so I didn't really get to pick up on a lot of her kind of quilt wisdom. But my mom quilted and I was also raised in a very a religious community that really appreciated quilting. And so I picked up some quilting from those activities that were put together. I also was fortunate enough to grow up with a neighborhood friend and her mom quilted a lot. And so I was always over there and eventually just learned how to quilt really from her. So growing up was quilting one of the things that you thought everybody did? No, (laughs) this is funny. No, I always knew that quilting was a little unusual for maybe a 14 year old to be doing. And I didn't tell anyone that I quilted. Honestly, even to this day, I think people are surprised that I quilt. And I don't know why I hate it. I don't know why, but it could be because as a 16, 15, 14 year old, you kind of want to fit in. And if you're quilting on the weekends, it could be people are going to judge you for that. Other kids may be like, well, that's weird. So I really didn't say anything about being a quilter or even learning how to quilt until recently, probably in the last, you know, two or three years that people found out that I actually quilt. (laughs) It's kind of funny. (laughs) I'm wondering if you thought, oh, it's just old people quilt. So I don't want my friends to know. (laughs) You know, I don't know. That's what's funny is that looking back, I'm like, why was I so, you know, I don't want to say ashamed, but like. Maybe I was nervous to open myself up to criticism or to judgment. You know, I didn't know if people would accept that or think it was weird. And so I was very nervous to be vulnerable in that way. And it wasn't really until recently that I decided to share more of myself and to share more of my love of quilting with my family and with a broader community. And you realize how much joy that brought. Oh, yeah. I had no idea there was even a quilty Instagram until really I started Quilted Studios last year and I kind of just got dropped into it. And I was like, wow, there's so many people like me who just like love quilting. Like I didn't even know these people were here. It's been so fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quilt? If you're a quilter that has quilted for a while, you've got a list in your mind of like 50 quilts, you know, and you're like, well, which one do I pick? My favorite quilt, I'd have to say for just nostalgia's sake, would probably be this bright pink quilt that I made when I was probably in eighth grade. And it had sparkles and it was black and white and pink. I was so proud of it. And looking back, I just cringe a little bit how messy some of it was. But I think that's probably my favorite one just because I think it marked a change in how I approached quilting. Um, I think at that point, that's when I kind of fell in love with it. And I was like, I love how all these pieces fit together. I love how you can make fabric look, you know, like these intricate, beautiful designs. 
So I think that's probably my favorite quote. Even looking back, it's kind of janky now, but I love that quote. Yeah. They can bring back such good memories too. Yes. Every time I see it, I, I can remember the time that I spent on it. What tool are you so happy that you have? You know, I'm actually kind of a minimalist. Again, this is atypical for a culture. I really don't like to have a lot of stuff. It could be influenced by the fact that my husband and I have moved so often. And honestly, it's just easier if you don't have a lot of things. And we've lived in small places in Bethesda. We were in a tiny little apartment. And so you couldn't really have a lot of quilty tools. You could really only have the things that you absolutely needed. And so I think for me, my favorite tools are the ones that I can use for everything. So I really love my slotted ruler. I have one by Quilt Cut that I just love. And I use that to square off corners because it's this big ruler. I use it to make strips. I use it to subcut strips. I use it for a lot of things. So that's honestly probably my favorite quilty tool. A slotted ruler looks very interesting to me. I don't have one yet. I'm planning on getting one. But oh, as- let me convince you. Let me convince <laughs> you to get one. They're magical. I love my slotted ruler. I should get paid, honestly. What I need to do is hook up with some slotted ruler company, uh, hand hand quilt cut, and I will sell these rulers for you because they're so amazing. <laughs> I'm assuming there's slots every so many. Yes, um, every half inch. Every half inch. And you're doing every two inches and all of a sudden you're doing every one inch. Has that happened? Uh, the ruler's big and so it stays there. And then you have these little symbols down below that help you keep really organized with the width of your strips. That's really nice. Let's say that you did need five two-inch strips and three one-inch strips. You could do that using the ruler. So it's pretty nice. I will say, though, it is very important that you stop and you square off every eight strips or so, because otherwise things can get kind of wonky and you don't want that. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was surprised at how many steps we actually do when we're making our quilts. Now, do you like each step as you go along or do you look forward to one step more More than than another? (laughs) I really love designing quilts and I love helping those come to life. I think it's probably one of the most magical things in the world. I love taking a design from Adobe Illustrator and then carefully designing all the pieces and coming up with all the calculations and things like that. And then making it is just the most incredible processes. I love designing. I really enjoy piecing. I will say though that I'm like everyone else and that sometimes I get a little impatient and I'm like, okay, I just want to be done with these 10 strips. Like I just want to be done with this part of it. I don't enjoy basting. I know some people do, but I've never been a huge fan of basting. It's easier now that I have a tile floor and I can kind of tape things down, but maybe one day I'll find a long armor that I love and I can just not have to worry about that anymore. But I actually do enjoy quilting my quilts. This is going to sound so weird, but I think I'm kind of a control freak and I love getting to determine where each line on my quilting goes. And so I love that quilting at the end can kind of enhance the design that I've already made rather than kind of just be placed on top. I mean, I love edge to edge quilting and things like that, but I think as a designer, I love being in control of kind of that final result. 
And then I also like binding. I love doing hand stitch binding. That's like my favorite thing. Big stitch binding is so fun. <laughs> Have you tried big stitch binding? No, I'm not sure what that is. Okay, so it's like a visible running stitch, basically. And it's on the back side of the quilt that secures it. So it's just like a whip stitch, but it's visible and it's on the binding. I'm laughing at myself because I am such a stickler for myself to make sure that no thread is showing on the I binding. I know, I know. This is the funniest part. This is what I told you. I'm breaking all the rules. I love big stitches because they're very visible and you use a larger thread. I use pearl cotton thread in size eight, which is very visible. But I love that you can see this kind of handmade touch all around the quilt. And I think it adds a human element to a quilt that maybe was machine made in every other step. So I just love that. I love big stitch binding for that reason. And and don't you tend to make more of a modern quilt than a heritage quilt? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely a modern quilter. And the big stitch binding goes with modern. You know, I think it can go with everything. You know, what's funny about me is that I'm very particular about the front of my quilt. Front of my quilt, I'm like a perfectionist on. And it has to be very particular aesthetic, which is modern. But then the back, I just love having more fun. I pick really fun, usually art gallery prints. Or I will go with some untraditional backing like Sherpa. I've done fur. I've done <laughs> any kind of backing you can imagine. I've probably done it. And then my binding, again, is kind of more whimsical. And that's why I do the big stitches. But it could go with any style of quilting, really. Okay. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. This is a good question. I mean, I guess they're all good questions, but this one is... <laughs> This one's hard because I feel like in some ways there's always a quilt that you're like, well, that was a learning experience. It's not a quilt that I like ever want to pull out. I'm sure all of us have those in our closets. (laughs) I will say that for me, I think the hardest part is when I have to unpick something and it's not easy to unpick. I really dislike getting like quilting wrong. So when I quilt and maybe there's like gathers in the back excessive gathering if there's like a little gather like I don't care but if there's like excessive wrinkles and excessive gathering I will go through and unpick it and I think I've always been like this this is horrible I hate every part of this (laughs) and then I know I have to redo it and I know that it's going to be just as hard to keep it nice and flat and wrinkle free so I think it's like a mind game I don't really like unpicking quilting when it goes wrong yeah so I'm curious as to why Do you think you have decided to quilt rather than to use your energy to do another craft or spend your time doing something else? This is interesting. I actually wonder this myself, and I'm sure other people do as well. I think if you are a quilter, I could probably guess that you do like to enjoy other crafts or other textile activities. And so it does beg the question, like, why? Why quilting? And I think for me, I love that it's practical. And yet it's still something that I can make that's homemade. I love this idea that I can design something and then make it and then use it. I think the pragmatic side of me loves that. So instead of maybe making like another craft, maybe just for fun, I really love the idea that I'll have this cozy blanket that I can gift to someone or that I can keep for my family. And so I think that's why I'm drawn to quilting in some ways. I also love the geometry of it. 
I love how all these pieces fit together. I love that it's almost like this giant origami project. I have to laugh at myself because I was one of those people that said, that's crazy. Why are they cutting up all this cloth and then putting it back together? Oh, no. And then got into it myself. And And you're like, oh, this is fantastic. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And who are your quilts usually made for? I make quilts for lots of different reasons. I feel like right now I'm making a lot of sampler quilts for my own patterns. In between that, I make baby quilts usually. I love making baby quilts because they're so approachable. They're faster to put together. It's just like a fun thing to do that doesn't take you, you know, months and months. Right now I'm usually making quilts for the designs that I have. And then also for just as gifts for nieces and nephews and things like that. What project are you working on right now? What project am I not working on right now? That is a better question to ask. (laughs) I have so many things on the pipeline right now. It's hard to keep up with myself. So I am working on a new quilt. It's called Isola. So all my quilt patterns have Italian names. And Isola means island. And so that's one I'm working on right now. And it will probably come out in maybe two months. And then I also have some things I'm working on for Bernina as a blog author for them. So I'm always working on little projects for them. And it's exciting. They're doing an advent calendar for the month of December. So you should hop on over there to see everyone's fun projects. Before we get to your business, one more question here on share a quilting tip. The first one is for any beginner quilter out there. You have to really let go of expectations of perfection and really just enjoy the process, I think. And if you are quilting and there's things that go wrong, like I said, things go wrong all the time for me and probably every quilter, but it's okay. And you'll get better as you go on. And really the whole point isn't to become like the best at quilting. The whole point is to enjoy it and to create beautiful things. And then my second tip is much more pragmatic and much more applicable. And that is to learn how to do a perfect quarter inch scant seam allowance. I think that mastering that will help really with every other quilt pattern that you attempt in the future. Yeah, I'm still working on that. (laughs) It's hard. Everyone is. Even to this day, I still use a guide just to make sure that every single seam is consistent because that really prevents a lot of problems down the line. And, you know, the more I quilt, the more I realize that when I put in a lot of preparation and I make sure that all my cuts are very accurate and I make sure that my fabric is ironed and starched and I make sure that my seam allowances are very consistent, the rest of the quilt really comes together so fun. It becomes more enjoyable because you're not trying to like muddle your way through the mistakes that you made earlier. In interviewing people, I'm realizing there's two camps. (laughs) (laughs) One camp, and the way I learned was I cut out the pieces I needed for my next section of the block or whatever. And I cut those out and do that. It might even be just one part of the block. And then I would cut what I needed next and add that or work on the next block, whatever. So I, quilt as you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it wasn't quilt as you go. But anyways, but it was, I cut what I needed just before I was going to use it. And then there's this other camp that cuts everything out. Uh-huh. And then they start putting it together. Which camp That's are you in? Well, I definitely have everything cut out beforehand. I love seeing neat little piles of things. You know, that just like makes my heart happy. <laughs> so <laughs> I also love trying to batch things. So if I'm going to do 
something, I'm going to do it all then. So if I'm going to sew, you know, a certain block, I will sew all of those blocks. And if I'm going to sew a certain strip set or something, I'll sew all of those strip sets together. Yeah, I thought that sounded interesting after I talked to one lady. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, for this quilt, I'll go ahead and cut out the rest of what I need. And I did that. And then I got to my next step and I went to my cutting board and I cut what I needed. I'm like, oh, I forgot I had everything cut out. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you're just used to that. And you know what? I'm sure there's something to be said about that approach and that but you quilt at your own pace, things like that. I think having everything cut out ahead of time really helps with efficiency. So someone like me who's trying to work through a lot of quilts at a time, you have to be as like efficient and fast as possible. And so that's probably, you know, why I do that. Yeah. I just find it so interesting. It's back to what we talked about at the beginning where different perspectives and they all work well, but it's just different perspectives. And there's no police, right? There's no cool police. No one can tell you what to do. You get to do what you want to do. Yep. Describe how you went from having quilting just as a hobby to have a business. This is a fun story. (laughs) So I actually worked with some entrepreneurs for one of my jobs and I thought I will never, ever own a business. It looks so miserable. They're all so tired. They work 80 hours a week. Like this just looks horrible. Like I would never do this. And then fast forward like five years and my husband is gone all the time for medical school rotations. And I was so bored and I just kept thinking, you know, maybe I'll just keep quilting. And then at some point I wanted to make a quilt for my husband. And I just kept looking for, I don't want to say masculine quilts, but I looked for quilts that would be beautiful on my sofa, but also not very feminine. (laughs) You know, I was like, I want to make him a quilt. You know, I want to make a quilt that he'll appreciate. I wanted it to be stylish and beautiful, but also kind of masculine at the same time. And I really struggled to find, I probably spent weeks and weeks and weeks looking for this specific kind of quilt pattern. And I just couldn't find something that I really loved. And there were masculine oriented quilts, but maybe there was like a giant football in the middle. And I was like, my husband doesn't even watch football, you know, like there was just a disconnect there. And so I finally was like, you know, I have made so many quilts over the last few years since I was 12 or 13. Why not just try and design my own quilt for my husband? I think I could do that. You know, I think I could put together the math and things like that. So I started designing Sitakuza, which is that gingham quilt last summer, actually. And as I was designing the quilt, my husband was like, well, if you're going to design the quilt, why don't you just toss it up on Etsy and then you can sell the pattern to other people? You've already made the pattern. Like, why not just sell it? And I was like, well, okay, that's fine. But if I'm going to sell a pattern, I might as well have a website. And if I'm going to have a website, I might as well have an Instagram. And if I'm on Instagram, (laughs) I might as well put some effort into the Instagram. (laughs) You can kind of see how it went from there. So I will say the impetus was that I wanted to make a quote for my husband. And I just decided that there was this unique style that I had to offer and that I wanted to introduce into the quilting community. The Then Quilted Studios was born. Then it was born. A little baby. Baby Quilted Studios. <laughs> and how did you choose that name? It was hard. This was probably the hardest decision of my entire business. But I wanted something that was simple and easy and modern, which is kind of like my aesthetic. You know, I wanted something that was clean and wasn't overly flowery. And it was easy to remember. <laughs> you know, it wasn't too complicated. I will say, though, that sometimes I look at other businesses and they have these really 
meaningful names, you know, their names are named after their, you know, dog or whatever. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Mine's very straightforward. (laughs) That's where I came from with the name. Do you have to remind people to leave the E out? Yes, I do all the time. Even I put in the E sometimes. You're not alone in that, but yes, I do. And now it's habit, but before I, I did have to remind quite a few people. And that all came about last year? Yeah, that was last September. Well, last October really is when I started the business. Cool. Congratulations on the year in. Thank you. It's been so fun. I've had a wild year. I saw on your website that you went through a pattern designer course. Mm -hmm. What was that like? So that was through Elizabeth Chapel. She does a how to write a quilt pattern course, and it was so good. It was very in-depth. That was last September. I took that. And it was really kind of the first big investment that I made into my business. But it really was, like I said, invaluable. It taught me a lot of skills that I would need later on, like Adobe Illustrator and Adobe InDesign and things like that. She went through EQ8, had a design course in EQ8, which was so helpful. And then also really, I think, just how to start a little business. She included a lot of business principles in there that I hadn't really considered before. So, yeah, that's kind of what I went through to learn the actual process of putting together a pattern. And then I will say it was just a lot of hands-on learning as far as like math and templates and all sorts of other things that go into selling patterns. And you put that first pattern up on Etsy. How exciting was it when someone purchased it? (laughs) Well, I actually didn't start on Etsy. I actually just opened a website on Shopify. But my first website was very basic and things like that. So it was probably the equivalent of Etsy. It was so exciting. It was really, really exciting. I think I didn't expect Sidakuza, the gingham cult, to be as successful as it was. I had some incredible testers, and they really, I think, were so integral into the release of that first pattern and kind of the acceptance of my little studio into the community. So I will always be forever grateful to them for that. But yeah, it was so exciting. It was exciting and also really scary because I thought, what if someone reads through this and they find like 10 mistakes, even though I had proofread it like a hundred (laughs) times and I've made like seven of the quilts. It still was just really scary to put myself out there like that. Yeah. And when we read our notes, we have assumptions that we don't realize other people are not assuming the same thing. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. And you also don't know what you don't know. Right. So this was my first pattern. I I really had no idea how to do certain things. And it wasn't until maybe my fourth or fifth pattern that I was like, oh, yeah, this makes a little bit more sense. And I probably changed the order of this and this to have a better flow, things like that. Yeah. Even though you have a quilting business, you have expanded that a little bit. I saw that you have an Instagram Reels for Beginners course. I do. When I started Quilted, I wanted to figure out how to best market my patterns. And I wanted to reach a broader community. And it seemed like posts and other things only went so far. And I wasn't really getting a lot of traction, I think. And so I did a lot of research into how to kind of reach more people on Instagram. And it seemed like the best way to do that was through Instagram Reels. I've never made any Reels before. I've never made a TikTok. 
I was familiar with short form video from my previous life, but I had really never done it for marketing or anything like that. So I started to learn how to do reels. And really, I think that's what made the difference into my business kind of taking off was that I would regularly make reels. And I tried my very hardest to make the content of those reels valuable in some way to the cultures that I was trying to reach. It wasn't a numbers game. I really didn't care about how high my follower count was. I much rather wanted to reach this very specific kind of quilter that would be interested in my style as a pattern designer. And so I tried to create reels that would appeal and be valuable to them. And I think through the course of just regularly creating reels, my business grew really, really fast, faster than I was anticipating. And so I realized that by learning how to make reels, it had become a quite valuable skill. And I had made a bunch of mistakes in the beginning, so many mistakes in the beginning. And I thought as I was going through that pattern writing course with Elizabeth, there were quite a few people who kind of struggled learning how to make reels. And I thought this would be a great way to kind of make sure that we, I don't want to say even the playing field, but that everyone has access to reels knowledge and that everyone feels confident in making a reel for their business or for whatever venture that they're trying to promote on Instagram. So that's when I designed the course and I released it last spring and it was so fun. I've run it twice now and I'll run it again, I think in the wintertime in January. Have fun. And that must have been exciting too when people started signing up for that. So, so fun. I love it. I actually love courses because you really get to know people. You're in this little cohort together and you ask questions and you've got a chat set up so everyone can kind of communicate and help each other. And I think it's just, I thrive on that. I love, love, love teaching. So I definitely plan on opening and releasing more courses in the future. Great. Now, I know this is past. You just did a passport to quilting with some other quilt designers. It listed November 10th through the 14th. How did that go? Oh, it went really well. That was a really fun event. I didn't participate in that event last year, obviously, because I was like still learning how to write patterns. But to be invited to uh, participate this year was honestly, it was an honor because some of those quilt pattern designers are just incredible. And I really look up to almost all of them. And so it was really fun just to be in a group with them. And we definitely tried to put as much effort into creating fun holiday downloads for everyone as a way to just say thank you for supporting us throughout the year, which is something that I totally agree with. I love that we can give back in some way. And so this was a good event to do that for. It looked like a lot of fun. It was. And we had so many people participate. So many people signed up to get the download bundle. So it was really fun to see how many people between the 25 plus designers that were in the group that we had reached and given back to. So, And I had fun looking at the list and seeing There were several others that I've gotten to share their stories. So that was fun for me. Yeah, I'm sure you're making your rounds around the entire quilty community. (laughs) Jessica, is there anything else you wanted to share about your business? I will say it's been really fun. I never expected to be a little quilting entrepreneur. I think my favorite part about the whole thing has really been getting to know so many people. And it was really hard for me in the beginning because I'm naturally pretty introverted and pretty shy. And so it was difficult to put myself out there. 
it was difficult to start filming reels. It was difficult to put my face on Instagram and things like that. I was really afraid of people judging me or thinking poorly of me or things like that. But I realized that at some point I would have to stop caring what other people thought. And then I was really out here to share my designs and to connect with people who also loved quilting as much as I did. And so I'm really glad that I did that. I'm really glad that a year ago, I kind of faced my fears and decided to share more of myself with with people who I didn't know, which was really scary. And I will say, it's been overwhelmingly positive. And I still get a little heckler comment every now and then on my reels, but I would say 98%, 99% of every comment is really supportive and really kind. And I think I landed in the perfect industry because quilting is so, everyone is so nice, <laughs> maybe too nice. <laughs> everyone is very nice. And I think it's been a wonderful place to kind of grow a business in. Where can we find your business? I really live on Instagram. I say that without shame. I, I am on Instagram all the time. So if you ever need me or want to see designs or the things that I'm up to on a daily basis, definitely find me on Instagram, Quilted Studios. And then I do have a website, quiltedstudios.com, where I have blog posts and tutorials and fun freebies, like some block downloads and quilt labels and stuff like that. I also have a YouTube channel, but I'm very slowly building up content with that. There are some videos there that have some fun tutorials as well. Great. And all these will be listed on your episode page on my website. I so appreciate you taking your time. I know you all are so busy. Never too busy, though, to sit down and chat about quilting. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.